My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bundjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 11th of April. Hope you had a wonderful Easter weekend. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. According to the World Health Organization, 10 to 20% of people infected with COVID-19 may go on to develop long COVID. And it can impact young people too. In today's deep dive, we're going to hear firsthand what it's like to live with long COVID. I feel like I'm a shell of a person I used to be, which has hugely impacted my mental health. And talk to someone who's been on the front line treating long COVID since the condition emerged. There's almost a forgotten population of people who are still taking time to get over long COVID. First, Sarah, what's making headlines this morning? US officials have launched an investigation into the leak of sensitive and highly classified documents that was first revealed by the New York Times last week. An Australian government spokesperson said in a statement yesterday, the Australian government is concerned about the disclosure of US classified information. At least 44 stockpiles of soft plastics have been discovered across six states since the collapse of the Red Cycle Recycling Scheme. Red Cycle was a soft plastics recycling program used by Coles and Woolworths that collapsed last year. Woolworths and Coles are now in possession of the stockpiles, and the company said yesterday they need to navigate, quote, a complex range of sites and challenges to establish how to deal with the plastics. Further details of the King's coronation to be held in London on the 6th of May have been revealed by Buckingham Palace. The King and his wife Camilla will travel part of the journey in a horse-drawn carriage constructed in Sydney and another part of the journey in a 260-year-old carriage that is the oldest in use. A special emoji was also released to mark the occasion. And today's good news is one for all the footy fans. Fans have set the record for attendance at the MCG in the first 10 matches of an AFL season with 661,446 fans coming through the turnstiles. It smashed the previous record of 612,281 fans, which was set back in 2015. It's certainly been a little while since we've talked about COVID on this podcast, but for some people who had COVID, the virus never really left. We know that long COVID is something impacting a lot of people out there and a lot of people in the TDA community as well, like Hayley. Hi, my name's Hayley. I've had long COVID for about nine months. My symptoms are mostly cardiovascular, musculoskeletal and extreme fatigue. I get a lot of pain in my chest, muscles and joints and I have recently been diagnosed with a heart condition which is causing constant heart palpitations. Long COVID has seriously impacted my life over the past nine months. I'm a school teacher so I cannot work from home and therefore have had to take a lot of personal leave which has run into my long service leave. I currently don't have any leave left but I'm unable to work due to worsening of symptoms which specialists are struggling to treat. My quality of life has been affected immensely. I used to be able to run up mountains. Now I can't even walk up the stairs without being out of breath. I no longer have a social life and cannot do most of my hobbies before COVID, like running, hiking and travelling. I feel like I'm a shell of a person I used to be, which has hugely impacted my mental health. And it's 
so difficult to even try and get into a psychologist to treat that. I've seen about 10 doctors to get advice on how to manage my long COVID. However, most doctors don't know how to treat long COVID patients and would blatantly state they didn't know what to do. I remember on one occasion after complaining about severe chest pain, a doctor didn't even examine me. Instead, she asked what my mental health was like before COVID. After nine months, I got into the long COVID clinic and they have helped me understand the importance of rest, pacing and breathing properly. However, I feel that if I had been admitted into the long COVID clinic nine months ago or had a doctor who had properly treated long COVID, I wouldn't be in the position I am in now. Worsening long COVID symptoms, unpaid leave, financial strain and absolute exhaustion from dealing with this disease. So we wanted to know a bit more about long COVID clinics and the work that they're doing for people like Haley. So we reached out to Dr. Stephen Foe. He is one of the leaders of the long COVID clinic at the St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. Stephen, thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. Hi, Sam. I'm sitting outside with my dog and I'm uh, in my lovely garden that my, is my wife's treasure. And so if you hear funny noises in the background, it's because I'm in the great outdoors. Love it. Can we start with an explanation from you of what exactly is long COVID? Yeah, I've been just uh, writing about that today. Um, it's uh, defined by the WHO as symptoms that persist or continue for three months after you've had COVID. They generally can start anywhere b between the time you have the infection and the three-month mark, but they have to persist for two months. What's the prevalence of long COVID amongst patients at the moment in Australia? The prevalence is dependent on the strain, the population, the definition, and the way the data is collected. So in New South Wales, for example, they say that the prevalence of long COVID is somewhere between 1% and 4%. Uh, the WHO says it's somewhere between 10 and 20%. It's higher in the UK. But um, you've got to remember that over 12 million people have had COVID. So 4% of them is still going to be very high. So um, it's still a significant, a significant illness that we need to address. And, and we'll come back to how to address that. But from your answer there, it sounds like there's still a lot that we don't understand about long COVID. For you, what are the big undiscovered areas? Well, we, the, the things that fascinate me is the areas such as cognitive impairment, people who are having trouble remembering things and concentrating. We've identified at St Vincent's in a small study that there might be a blood marker where we can identify the people who are likely to have problems with their thinking. We've also still trying to work out the mechanism, uh, you know, what, what's actually going on physiologically. And for me, as a rehabilitation physician, one of the things I'm interested in is how to get people back to work and back to feeling normal and doing their usual things. And we're doing that with a variety of treatments. So that's what's exciting and sometimes frustrating, but sometimes inspiring. So that's why I'm sort of involved in it. And those are the things that are of interest to me. Okay. And you're doing all of this work through a long COVID clinic at St. Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. At what point in the pandemic was a need for a specific clinic identified? And is this a clinic that's going to be around in 50 years time? <laughs> Great questions. Look, we, we identified that there was a need at the end of 2020 because uh, what was happening to our emergency department and our general practices 
where the people were turning up with prolonged symptoms and nobody knew what to do. The ED department didn't know whether to admit them or to discharge mm. them. And so we thought that we needed to start collecting people and looking at them very carefully. So our clinic opened in March 22, and we had about 700 referrals within six months. So there were a lot of referrals. It appears that the later strains, like Omicron, are less severe, and uh, the number of people getting long COVID from those strains are less. So the question is, will we still be around in 50 years? I think uh, I can't answer that really, but mm. um, if we look back at diseases like HIV, tuberculosis, and even polio, yep, there were clinics running for many years. So I have a feeling that whilst we might get less people referred to us, we might still have a role in the next sort of three to five years at least. Who's the typical patient coming through the long COVID clinic? Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of typical patients. In fact, there's no mm. single typical patient. But um, there's a handful of people. There's some people who are very frightened because they can't work and they're worried about putting bread on the table. Um, right. and, and so they're coming to us very stressed about that. There are other people who, who value their capacity to do everything. So they hard workers, they exercise a lot, and they can't tolerate the fact that they're not able to get back to that. Mm. And then there are other people who um, realise that there's no experts in this area and are trying to find out an answer themselves and are coming to us for help in that. So... There are no typical patients, but we get a lot of people very frustrated. We get a lot of people very frightened. We get a lot of people who um, are concerned about loved ones who are not firing on all cylinders. So I can't answer that. There is no typical type yet. I'm, I'm concerned about you talking about this inability to return to work and, and the financial impacts that that can have. Are we seeing a new type of disability come to the surface? Well, it's interesting. Um, you, you'd say it was a disability if it was prolonged and you, there were no chances of recovery. And mm. I don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that 25% of people who come to our clinic have either stopped work, dropped work or closed their businesses. So that, that's a pretty significant number. And I think we in the UK, they found it was 19%. A lot of people are, are suffering. I'm not sure whether it will actually become a defined disability. I know there's a parliamentary inquiry at the moment. Would you be wanting to see recommendations about prolonged financial support for those who are suffering from long COVID? Well, we, we've written a, a submission to the parliamentary inquiry, which I think is published. So um, uh, what we've suggested is firstly that the government finance what we call vocational rehabilitation. Those are people whose job it is to help you get back to work if you've had a problem with your health. And that's currently not financed, so people have to put their hands in their pockets for that. And, and that will improve the capacity of people to return to work and decrease the risk of them being dependent on um, welfare payments. We've also recommended that there be a registry of patients so we can collect the numbers and follow their trajectory. So we can tell people, listen, you know, many people are back at work within 12 months or within six. Mm. And at the moment... We have some uh, rough figures from New South Wales, but we don't have any good figures for the nation. And we don't really know where all the people with long COVID are. 
And uh, lastly, we, we've sort of asked for some quarantine money for research because we need to start looking at cures because what's happening is a lot of people are trying things and we don't have enough randomised controlled studies looking at whether particular drugs work or particular psychological treatments work or particular exercise works. So um, those are some of, the, some of the recommendations we made, uh, amongst others. I can imagine that all of this is very frustrating for patients with long COVID. The sense from somebody at the top of their field, like yourself, who's trying to in real time understand this very impactful illness. What are you saying to those with long COVID to reassure them whilst acknowledging the fact that, you know, as you've said many times in this interview, you're not quite sure what to say? Well, I mean, the first thing we say we, we do is validate them and say, look, you're not making it up. It's real. We don't understand the, the physiology of it yet, but we have a few ideas. But we do know that multidisciplinary rehabilitation is a supportive framework that helps people return to normal function. So we're saying, look, we're with you on this journey. We're going to help you out and we try and get the resources for them. Not always easy but we try and get them psychological treatments if they need help with pacing themselves. We get physical treatments if they're very exhausted. We also get occupational therapists to check on their memory and thinking, and we try and give them graded tasks to help them get back to work or even, uh, you know, looking after their families. So I guess we offer validation, we offer support, and we offer a framework of ongoing research that either can involve them or keep them up to date on, on options in the future. But um, there's uh, almost a forgotten population of people who are still having taking time to get over long COVID. I hope, uh, we, I hope we find a way through this, but I expect that it'll take a bit longer and that rehabilitation physicians and respiratory physicians will end up helping people who have prolonged symptoms. So I'm in it for the long haul because there's a need. Stephen Foe, thank you for being in it for the long haul and for joining us today on The Daily Oz. Thanks very much, Sam. Nice to speak to you. Just before we clock off, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Hayley and everyone else who sent us messages about living with long COVID. We really, really appreciate them and always learn so much from what you have to say. If you learnt something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so there's a TDA episode waiting for you every weekday morning. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, but until then, have a brilliant day.